0: All right, so today we're in the third part of this series on wisdom, and my uh, task today is to talk to you about growing or increasing in wisdom. Growing or increasing in wisdom. Now, we cannot overstate the importance of wisdom. I, wa- I want you to hear that. We cannot overstate the importance of wisdom. Having wisdom is radically important. It is a serious and expected part of every follower of Jesus. We are to be a wise people. Proverbs chapter four verse seven gives us just some insight, and we could look at multiple scriptures like this. But Proverbs four seven, King Solomon writes and says, "Wisdom." Is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. I mean, you think about that. Wisdom is the principal thing. It means it is the chief thing, it is the first thing, it is the best thing. All of that is, is wrapped up in that word, principle. Wisdom is the principal thing. It doesn't say that love is, it doesn't say that anything else is. It says wisdom is the principal thing. Because apart from wisdom, how are we even going to understand anything else? He says, because it's the principal, bedrock, most important thing, get some. Get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Now, today, We're not gonna start, as you might expect, by looking at the experience of some old man or some old woman telling us how to grow or increase in wisdom. We're not gonna hear this morning that wisdom comes with age because I wouldn't wanna lie to you. What we are going to do is start at a very unlikely place. We're gonna look at the life of an infant. In Luke's Gospel, chapter two, you would think this would be part of a Christmas series rather than a wisdom series. In Luke's Gospel, chapter two, verse 40, here's what it tells us of the infant Jesus. Check this out. And the child, speaking of Jesus, grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. Is that fascinating to anybody in here? Jesus' early life as, a, as an infant. In fact, this is written right after his, his dedication. If you look just a few verses prior. As an infant, the scripture records for us that Jesus became strong in his spirit and he was filled with wisdom. Now, it goes beyond that in just... Another 11 or 12 verses in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, look what it says. Jesus is about 12 at this point. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. And so what he had as an infant increased as he was an adolescent. And then beyond that... We see that Jesus spoke as a grown man in his young 30s. Matthew chapter 13, verse 54, it says this. When Jesus had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, so that they were, look at this, so that they were astonished. It means their minds were blown. And they said, where did this man get this wisdom? And and these mighty works or these miracles. But Jesus, friends, was communicating in such a way that not only were their minds blown, they recognized that this wisdom was otherworldly. It was beyond a normal, natural wisdom. It was a wisdom that excelled and exceeded that which comes just from going through life and trying to figure it out on your own. They said, where did this man get this wisdom? Jesus' wisdom stood out to them. Now, as an infant, as an adolescent, and as a grown man in his 30s, Jesus was filled with wisdom, increased with wisdom, and had wisdom even beyond that. Here's what this tells us, friends. There is wisdom available from God for every, listen to me, every age and stage of life. There's wisdom from God for every age and stage of life. Wherever we find ourselves today, hear me, friends, we cannot content ourselves with yesterday's wisdom or last season's wisdom. We've got to acquire the necessary wisdom for the age and the stage that we are in now. Jesus needed wisdom as an infant. Jesus needed wisdom as an adolescent. Jesus needed wisdom as a grown adult. How much more should we need wisdom, covet wisdom, understand that it's the principal thing, and I can't do my life in ignorance as a follower of Jesus. I've gotta live my life with the wisdom of God that surpasses earthly experience. we We've heard the phrase, amen, that person, that person has wisdom beyond their years. Friends, do you realize this? Wisdom beyond your years is way better than years beyond your wisdom. (laughs) Too many of us have years beyond our wisdom. And again, I want to say, age and, and wisdom are not synonymous unless you are increasing in wisdom. You can't find some old gray-haired man like me and think that he's wise just because he's old and gray-headed. There's plenty of old fools running around. You can't discount the wisdom of an adolescent because they're an adolescent. There's plenty of very wise kids running around here that some of our gray-haired fools would do well to listen to. Wisdom knows no discrimination with age. Wisdom responds to hunger. Wisdom responds to a heart that longs to be taught and longs to grow in the ways of God. Now, it says here in this last passage we looked at, or passage before last, in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, very, very interesting. It says that Jesus increased in wisdom and knowledge. Now, you might just think, well, that means he grew. Well, he did grow, but he grew because he increased, and now here's what what this means. Jesus increased in wisdom. It's a strange word. It's it's a word that, that literally means someone who is hacking their way through the jungle as a pioneer, as a trailblazer, as someone who is going after something more and beyond and they're having to hack their way through what's coming against them, increase. He increased in wisdom. Here's the deal, friends. If you and I are going to increase in wisdom, we're gonna have to hack through some junk that's coming against us. (laughs) It's called fake news. No, 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 Yes, yes, yes. There's some stuff you're going to have to hack through. Whether it's the obstacles of life, whether it's the oppression of devils, or whether it's the opinions of men. Jesus had to hack through all of those obstacles in order to get the wisdom that comes from God. It's the same for us. You think about the obstacles of life in Jesus' life. Just just natural limitations. Just the natural limitations Jesus had to get by. Now, we don't know when or whatever, but it's not... uh, Uh, Unaccurate to say, inaccurate to say, that Jesus grew up without an earthly father. We don't know when Joseph exited the picture. He's not mentioned after Jesus uh, being 12 years old. Most scholars will agree that he was gone way before, years before. He even started his public ministry. So to say that Jesus grew up with the natural limitation of a fatherless home would be accurate. To say that Jesus had to hack his way through the obstacle of life, that his social discrimination is accurate. Think about the reputation, think about what people said about him. Oh, he's the son of a harlot. He's a bastard, that guy over there, yeah, he's a bastard. What about living with that your whole life? What about your own family thinking you're crazy? What about other people saying you're demon possessed? I wanna talk to you about social discrimination. Jesus wasn't celebrated into every sphere of society he went into. He faced lies, slander, and discrimination. But the absence of privilege. These things that we hear so much about today, that think these are somehow obstacles that keep people from becoming everything that God says they can be. I wanna tell you, you can either live your life as a victim or a victor. And what's gonna make you a victor is submitting yourself to the wisdom of Almighty God. Well, Jesus is a Nazarene. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Later on in life, what to say? He said, I don't even have a home to, to lay my head. I don't own a home. Obstacles of life, man. There's some stuff you're gonna have to hack your way through to apprehend the wisdom of God that will change you forever and open up the realm of possibility for you. Yeah. The oppression of devils think about what Jesus experienced led by the spirit 40 days in the desert fasting and the devil tempting him oppressing him lying to him and we we you see it throughout just just battle and attack and battle and attack one after the other Constantly in a spiritual battle. At some point, you gotta hack through your spiritual battle and say, I refuse to quit. I am going to apprehend what God has for me. The opinions of men. Having to hack your way through that just like Jesus did. What are the opinions of men? Far too often, listen to me, and these can even happen in church circles, I'm sad to say. The opinions of men far too often are the whisperings of Satan. Telling you who you can't be and why you don't deserve to be and who do you think you are and blah, 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 blah. What would happen If we started increasing in wisdom and started hacking our way, Rob, hacking our way past everything that tells us we can't and shouldn't and don't deserve. If we're gonna get wise around here, friends, we're going to have to be intentional and we're gonna have to be aggressive and we're gonna have to stop being the frozen chosen and we're gonna have to start moving into the things of God with some determination. It's what it's gonna take. Seize the opportunity for wisdom. I love how Proverbs talks about wisdom and personifies wisdom as a woman, and and she is what? She's out on the street, she's out in the street corners crying out to people, I'm here, I'm available, come and get wisdom, embrace me and learn from me and let me teach you. Friends, if we are going to get the wisdom of God and replace our minds and our hearts with the wisdom of this world, we're gonna have to hear Wisdom shouting louder than any opposition that is shouting against us. And we're going to have to take her as our own. Allow ourselves to be mastered by her supernatural, miraculous ways. Wisdom is shouting. Is anybody listening? Now, The issue of increasing in wisdom, or the key to increasing in wisdom, I think far too often we overlook this crucial, I might say the most crucial aspect of increasing in wisdom. I read to you Luke chapter two, verse 52, where Jesus increased in wisdom and not uh, wisdom, I'm talking too fast, where he increased in wisdom, stature and favor with God and man. But the verse before that, all commentators for hundreds of years agree this verse is crucial. We're talking about the key to increasing wisdom. Look at this, Luke 2, 51 and 52. Then Jesus went down with them, he's 12 years old, Ricky's 12. Then Jesus went down with them and he came to Nazareth, and here you go, and he was subject to them. He was subject to his parents, and his mother kept all of these things in her heart. This idea of subjection and there's verse 52, Jesus increased in wisdom stature, your favorite with God and man. That's the connection. This idea of being subject to or submitted to, it is crucial. Now I haven't done this. I want you to look at three people right now and say crucial, crucial, crucial. Come on, crucial, crucial, crucial. You're not going to forget it. That was only two people, one more. Pastor Chris, being subject to or submissive to, submitted to God and godly authority is a radically crucial part of increasing and growing in wisdom. As a 12 year old boy who just happened to be the creator of the universe, as a 12-year-old boy to parents who still were scratching their heads and not really understanding this whole Messiah thing, he submitted himself to them. He submitted himself to them. He obeyed. He subjected himself to them. And he grew He increased in wisdom, stature, and favor. Every commentator for hundreds of years will tell you if Jesus didn't submit and subject, he's not increasing in wisdom, stature, and favor. Friends, God likes finding an obedient person, a submitted and subjected person God is looking for that person to be able to entrust his heavenly wisdom to and with. It starts there. It starts there. If wisdom is the principal thing, The principal thing, the first thing, the priority in getting wisdom is submitting your life to God. Listen to me, do not expect the wisdom of God to flow upon you when you live a disobedient life. God is a really good banker and he makes good investments in godly people. He's not gonna pour out his supernatural wisdom, his gift, on people he knows aren't going to do a doggone thing with it and live contrary to his ways. He is looking for someone who is subjected and submitted to him that is saying, oh God, please. Where he goes, there you go. Let me give you some wisdom and let me increase your stature. And I'm gonna pour some favor out upon you as well. I'm telling you, every single thing that we want and long for comes from submitting ourselves to God. This is why the devil will do everything possible to keep you from submitting to God because the blessings that will overtake you will be untold and the devil can't stand the thought of that. He can't stand the thought of God's people being blessed. Beloved, Jesus showed us that subjecting ourselves to God and godly authority, it is crucial. Godly wisdom comes from submission to God. Write it down, tweet it, write it on your arm, get it. Godly wisdom comes from submission to God. Now, this idea, just because I want you to see it in the scriptures, This idea of subjection or submission to God is very clearly seen in the first eight verses of Proverbs chapter three, which was your your reading in the last week, okay? I want you to see submission and subjection to God. It's right there over and over again in Proverbs chapter three. So here you go, Proverbs chapter three, verses one through eight. My son... Do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so, listen, find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Does it sound familiar? Jeremy, does that sound familiar? Just like what we just read. We continue, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Now, beloved, I'm gonna unpack this for you so you can see this concept of submission and subjection all throughout those eight verses, okay? First of all, here you go. Number one, he starts off in verse one by saying, don't forget my law, which in order to forget something, you have to know it in the first place. Don't forget my law and keep my commands. What's he saying? Subject yourself to me, to my law. Don't ever forget what I'm trying to tell you and keep my commands, which is about doing them. It's not to keeping them like just keeping them in your mind, keeping means doing them. So when he says don't forget my law and keep my commands, he's talking about knowing and doing. He's talking about being a hearer of the word, beloved, and also being a doer of the word. I'm convinced that this and scriptures like this are exactly what James was thinking when he wrote for us in James chapter one. Look at this, verses 22 through 25. What does he say to us today? Be a doer of the word and not just a hearer, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one is going to be blessed in what he does. You hear what James tells us? You gotta be both a hearer and a doer. What did Solomon say? You've gotta be a hearer and a doer. You've gotta submit and subject yourself to knowing what God's word, way, and wisdom is, and then you've gotta work it out and do it. It's, I think we get confused, which is why James wrote this. I think we think, hey, I heard the message today, and I agree with it. That's enough. It's not enough. It's, it's not enough to hear the word and even agree with the word. If the word's not getting done, if it's not getting worked out of us, we're missing the point of the whole thing. And so if we're going to increase in wisdom and grow in wisdom, I've got to hear the word of wisdom and then obey what it says. And then I'm subjecting myself to God and positioning myself for God's wisdom to be poured out on my life. And then what's the result of that? Blessing. Verse two, he tells you, length of days and long life and peace are going to be added to you. Does that sound good? Sure it does. Well, good, subject yourself to God and let him bring the increase. Number two, we're talking about how to increase in wisdom and how to grow in wisdom. Number two, trust the Lord and acknowledge him in all your ways. If I'm trusting him, I am submitting myself under him. If I'm acknowledging him in all of my ways, I am subjecting myself to him. Whatever it is I'm doing in life, I'm trusting and acknowledging, and acknowledging and trusting. He's my covering, he's my wisdom, he's my instruction. I, again, I, I go back to the life of Jesus. I, I, I look at him and I, and I see him in the Garden of Gethsemane, right, sweating, great drops of blood His his capillaries under the stress of his impending crucifixion is on him so much his capillaries are bursting and he's sweating blood. And what does he say? He says, God, if there's any other way, man, let this cup pass from me. And then he says, but not my will, yours be done. What's Jesus doing in that moment? He is submitting and subjecting himself to the Lord. He's acknowledging him in what he's going through. And he's saying and seeking, God, if there is any other way, that'd be great. But if there's not, I'm trusting you. Trust and acknowledge. If we're going to grow in wisdom, let's trust and acknowledge God in everything we're doing. It goes on even to the very end of his life. What does he say hanging on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Feeling forsaken, unspeakable, oppression and attack and, and the weight of the world upon him, hanging there. The last thing he didn't say is my God, my God, why are you forsaking me? What is the last thing he said? Into your hands I commit my spirit. I'm not crazy about this, but I'm trusting you. And I'm acknowledging you even in my pain, even in my trial. I am trusting you and acknowledging you, and I am putting my life, my very eternal spirit, God, into your hands. Trust in the Lord. Acknowledge him in all of your ways. Submit and subject yourself to him. What does the blessing tell us in verse six? That God then will direct your paths. What a a mouthful right there. Directed paths. Friends, directed paths mean accomplished purposes. Directed paths mean fulfilled destinies. It hinges upon our submission to God, our trusting him and acknowledging him. Friends, I am making it my goal in life so that when I stand before him, there will be none of my destiny undone. None of my purposes unfulfilled. I wanna go wore out, exhausted, done. I did it. I've run my race and I've finished my course. I've fulfilled what you've given me to do. He'll direct your paths. You'll accomplish his purposes. You'll fulfill your destiny. Number three, again, about subjection. I want you to see the importance of subjection to God, submission to him. Verse three, what does he say? Fear the Lord. Or Number three, verse seven, what does he say? Fear the Lord. What is that? That is to hold him in such reverential awe that we hate evil and depart from it. Fearing the Lord is an attitude of submission. Again, the fear of the Lord, it is the beginning of wisdom. It's the conclusion of the matter. It's the bookends of life. Fearing the Lord, radically important. Submitting ourselves to him Rob talked about this briefly, I just wanna add to that. This isn't about fearing man, this is about fearing God. And I believe with all my heart in the days that we are heading into, the fear of man is going to be more present in our lives as followers of Jesus than we've ever known before. The opportunity to fear man to count the cost of what it would be to not fear man, the consequences of what it might be to not fear man or circumstances, I am convinced that this issue of fear and fearing man is going to play a massive part in followers of Jesus' future. And we've gotta be people who put our stake in the ground today and say, I am here to fear the Lord regardless of cost, regardless of consequence, I am not here to fear man because in that fearing man, there is a snare, there is a trap, and I'm not falling for it. The blessing of fearing the Lord is too many. I did a whole series on it, but just in verse eight, he said, there'll be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Proverbs 22:4: in humility and the fear of the Lord, there is riches, honor, and life. I am not going to live my life fearing man when it's a snare, when in humility and the fear of the Lord, I can have riches, honor, and life. You choose what you want. It's not even up for discussion for me. Number four. Don't lean on your own understanding and don't be wise in your own eyes. If you want to grow in the fear of the Lord, what's he saying here? Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't be wise in your own eyes. He's saying you need to submit yourself to God's understanding and his wisdom and not your own. Friends, I got to tell you, one of the most troubling things I've seen in my 30 years of being a pastor is... Either, either talking to someone privately in, in a counseling appointment type of thing or someone coming up after the message and just saying, well, you know, I just want you to know I don't think that that's right. Or, or I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I disagree with that. And I go, well here, I'm just telling you what it says right here. I'm just telling you what it says. Like this isn't even an interpretation. Like I'm just telling you what it's, Well, I know that you're saying that that's what it says but I just disagree with that and I wanna go, Oh no, oh no! How could we ever lean on our own understanding? How could we ever be wise in our own eyes and think that God is the one who's got it wrong? Grace Chapel, United States of America, This is a dangerous place to be. When we profess to be wise, Romans 1.22 says, we have become as fools. When we exalt our own wisdom over the wisdom of God, we have become fools. You know, Job, golly, we want to cut Job some slack because... I mean, he endured just, oh my gosh, heart wrenching, heartbreaking things. And Job did good at first. He really did. But then he got to the place where, in arrogance and ignorance and self righteousness, he starts accusing God, he starts disagreeing with God. And God listens to Job for a while. You want to do something fun? Do this today. Before you go to bed, read Job chapter 38 to 41. And even just the beginning of chapter 42, the last chapter of the book. I mean, when the Lord says to you, who are you to Argue and bring counsel to me. Everybody go, uh oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't a moonwalk, that's a backwalk. You better start walking it back. Now I I just, listen, we're already laughing and I thought that we might get a kick out of this because there's something about this I think where we can relate. I just wanna give you a taste of this in 12 really quick verses. After Job leans on his own understanding and after Job becomes wise in his own eyes, God's gotta talk to Job and here's what he says to him. This is just chapter 38, read the rest of it. Chapter 39, 40 and 41. It's really good. (laughs) Job 38, one. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me again. Just go, uh uh-oh. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fashioned? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band. When I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors. When I said this far you may come but no farther and here your proud waves must stop. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? And that's just the beginning. Rick, you see what God is saying to Job? Dude, you have leaned on your own understanding and become so wise in your own eyes, you haven't even begun to think how puny you are compared to the awesomeness of myself. That same kind of Job spirit's got to get weak, to shake it off. Just, Just get... Turn to your neighbor. Just go like this. Don't get it on them, though. Do it. <laughs> That Job spirit, get rid of that thing. Listen, when we're wise in our own wise, eyes, when we disagree with God, when we think our ways are beyond his ways, listen to me, we position ourselves for rebuke at best and ruin at worst. I'm convinced that if America continues down its arrogant and ignorant path, our foolishness is going to produce a calamity that God and his wisdom will laugh at in our hour of destruction. Well, God, that that doesn't sound like something God would do. You better read Proverbs chapter one, verses 21 through 32. He says, When your calamity comes, I will laugh at you because I cried out to you with wisdom for years and years and years and you wouldn't respond. Heavy stuff here. Wisdom, it's the principal thing, man. We got to get it. We can't reject it. If you're currently leaning on your own understanding and being wise in your own eyes, listen, man, it is time to repent. Just like Job finally repented. And then what did God do? God forgave him. Thank God. God restored him and God blessed him. But it was because Job got to the place of finally subjecting himself to God. Abandoned leaning on his own understanding. Abandoned being wise in his own eyes. And subjected himself to God. So beloved. If you want to. Grow in wisdom this morning. Subject yourself to God. It starts there, number one. Number two, I told you, trust in the Lord. Acknowledge him in all ways. Lord, what's your wisdom? Here's the situation I'm in. Lord, what are you doing? What are you saying? How would you do this? Number three was fear the Lord. Do it. Number four was don't lean on your own understanding or be wise in your own eyes. Don't do that. And then number five, I didn't give you this yet, number five, ask, just ask. Ask God for wisdom. Now don't ask apart from doing these other things. Ask in addition to these other things. Ask God for wisdom. James chapter one, verse five through eight, again James comes through for us this morning. If any of you lacks wisdom, anybody here lack wisdom this morning about something that's going on in your life? Sure you do, I do. This is why this is one of the prayers that I pray more and more and more every day. Lord, fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit, God. I can't do Christian life apart from the promise of the Father coming upon me to give me power. And God, I need wisdom. I'm asking for wisdom, Lord. I don't even pretend to know what to do next. I got some ideas based on yesterday's wisdom. I need a now word for what you're doing now. He says, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And God gives, look at this, liberally and without reproach, you ask God for wisdom, God's gonna pour wisdom on you, And he's never gonna reproach you or rebuke you, and go, I can't believe you asked for wisdom. Why did you ask for wisdom? Totally contrary to his character. He's gonna give it liberally without reproach. He says, and it'll be given to him, meaning you. Let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Okay, you need wisdom today for something that's going on in your life. I need wisdom, I'm telling you, I need wisdom today. It's different than the wisdom that I needed yesterday or in a different season. I need wisdom for the season that I'm in. I'm gonna submit myself to him. In the ways we've discussed, and then I'm gonna ask, God, give me wisdom, and he's gonna go, here, pal, here's the wisdom you need. I'm gonna give you a bunch of it, because I see that you're a good investment, that you've submitted and surrendered your life to me, you're subjected to me, here you go. I'm gonna pour it out on you more than you ever imagined. That's what I want. This isn't complicated, friends, this isn't rocket science. I remember one time I was preaching, I said, you don't really need to be a rocket scientist to figure this out. A bunch of people right over here started laughing. It was at a conference, and I went later, and I said, what were you we all laughing about? He goes, this bro's a rocket scientist. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't hard to figure out. God, God didn't make it difficult. He made it really clear. Friends, the wisdom of God will change your life. It's supernatural, it's deep, it's wide, it's beyond your years. Get it, he'll give it, he really will. Well I kinda just asked in passing a minute ago, but I mean for real this morning, not because a bunch of hands went up, but for real. How many of you would say, Pastor Steve, would you just pray a quick prayer? I need wisdom in this season of my life with what I'm going, I got something, I need the wisdom of God. Yeah. Well, let's pray together now. Let's ask him for it. Who gives it liberally and without reproach? And let's ask with faith. Let's not doubt it. Let's ask with faith. And then let's receive it from God. So Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it gives us a roadmap on how we can live with a wisdom beyond what we experience in our natural lives. Lord, where we haven't subjected or submitted ourselves to you, we repent and we ask you to forgive us. God, where we haven't trusted you and acknowledged you in all of our ways, we repent and ask you to forgive us. Lord, where we haven't feared you, but we feared man, and it it has quenched the wisdom of God from being poured out on us, God, we repent and ask you to forgive us. God, right now, we repent of leaning on our own understanding. We repent of being wise in our own eyes. Forgive us. God now we ask for wisdom for every hand that went up here in the sanctuary on this campus everybody online lord would you give wisdom give wisdom rooted in your word your will and your ways god give wisdom bring clarity bring an aha moment to your precious people that are seeking your face and wanting to do what's right in your eyes. God give wisdom, we pray, liberally and without reproach. We receive it now. I I receive the wisdom of God. I receive it in Jesus' name. And God's wisdom-receiving people said, Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you guys today. God bless you guys. Listen man, wisdom's the principal thing. Get wisdom, go after it. God love you guys. See somebody right outside the door. You can participate in giving Christmas presents to kids all around the place, or you can Venmo. God bless you guys, we'll see you soon.